Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. These two were faithful slaves of the Lord during their entire Christian lives and have become patterns to us of ones that counted all things lost on account of Christ. Witness Lee completed his most comprehensive work called the Life Study of the Bible just before going to be with the Lord in 1997. This program combines short excerpts from his original speaking, along with some of our own comments and fellowship. And as always, we'd like to hear from you with your thoughts or answer any questions that might arise while you're listening. We'll repeat this contact information at the end of the program, but if you have a pen right now, jot down our toll-free number, which is 888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Or you can reach us by email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. Did you ever have a fight with your brothers or your sisters, those that you were close to in your family? Well, of course, every family has experienced squabbles and feuds or sibling rivalries. And in most families, they pass quickly like a summer storm with little permanent harm done. But Numbers chapter 12 tells the story of rivalry and jealousy within the family of Moses. Only this was so serious as to cause Jehovah's anger to be fiercely kindled against his brother and sister, and it even brought in God's judgment in a serious way against Miriam, Moses' sister. Why did God take a seemingly insignificant family feud so seriously? Well, we'll see on today's Life Study from Numbers, and Francis Ball has joined us once again. Francis, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. I kind of enter into this with a little fear and trembling. Likewise. It is a sober word, Francis. We come back to the children of Israel today, camped in the wilderness, on their way to the good land, and they're caught up once again in a major failure. This time related to murmuring and rebellion against the leadership of Moses. Today, we see not just the people at large, but even his brother and his sister, his brother Aaron, who was the priest, and his sister Miriam, they were drawn into this rebellion as well, weren't they? Yes, it's very sad but not surprising to see this kind of reaction and this kind of uh, opinion. Give us a little bit of background, Francis, of what was happening here. Well, of course, the children of Israel had been led by Moses out of Egypt, and there was no question about who had brought them this far. But during this time, things weren't always so pleasant and it wasn't so easy. And people sometimes feel like if they're being led by the Lord, everything should be easy. And when they run across problems, then they begin to question the Lord's leading. And this had already taken place with a number of the people, even thinking about going back to Egypt right? because of the difficulties they ran into and the lack of uh, so many pleasant things. So Miriam and Aaron got caught up in this kind of attitude, maybe not intentionally, but at least there was this kind of complaining going around, and no doubt some gossip and some talk against Moses, and they joined in. And being who they were, it was hard for them to do anything in a light way. They got involved in a very deep way and began to question Moses' right to be the spokesman for God. 
I think it's a, a couple of things that we might point out. By this time, of course, Moses is over 80 years old in his leadership position. His brother Aaron was older than he, as was Miriam, his sister. So we're talking about three people here fully matured in their human life, and even all three had some degree of uh, spiritual maturity, as we see from other passages in the Word, don't we? Yes, that's right. Okay, let's look at a few of these verses at the beginning of chapter 12, and I think it helps set the stage very clearly now uh, as to what we're going to touch today. And I'll do my best on some of these uh, uh, names. They're a little bit hard to handle. Yeah. Verse 1 says, And when they were at Hazaroth, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, Has Jehovah indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not also spoken through us? And Jehovah heard it. And then we jump to verse 7. My servant Moses is not so. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face even openly, and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of Jehovah. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant, against Moses? And the anger of Jehovah was kindled against them, and he departed. So here's the uh, story, Francis. Mm -hmm. The Lord had one whom he met with and could speak face to face and not in riddles. And that uniquely in that age was Moses. Let's join Witness Lee for the first portion of our program today. We've come to another trouble among Israel. That is, Mary and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman. We know all of them are blood relatives, and all of them were old persons. Moses was over 80. Mary at least 85. Then Aaron, at least 83, 84. And in a good sense, not only Moses was called by God, Aaron was too. But we don't have some clear record that Marian was called. But in the Bible, she was recorded as a prophetess. When the people crossed the Red Sea and came out of Egypt, Marian took the lead in praising God. They choose these three brothers and sisters were quite distinctive among children of Israel. And they are not low people. They were educated people. And they were quite knowledgeable concerning the things of God. No doubt, in the eyes of children of Israel, they all were considered as leaders. This was their background and situation understanding. Both Marian and Aaron were older than Moses. Moses was a younger brother. Generally speaking, the younger brother should pay respect to the older ones. Marian and Aaron consider themselves something higher than Moses. They are the big brothers and sisters. So, people should pay more respect to them than to Moses. So there was such a jealousy, no doubt. And then another factor was that Merlin and Aaron said, Has Jehovah indeed spoken only through Moses? 
Has he not spoken through us also? Mirren, men have said, I am a prophetess, God's spokesman. I spoke for God. God spoke also through me. So the center of this deal is who has God's article? Well, you may be used by God to speak for him, yet probably you don't have God's article. You have to realize this. Just to speak for God, that doesn't mean you have God's article. See, God's article at Moses' time was with Moses. Francis, let's come back to the, uh, the background here for a moment. In a sense, these three, Moses, his brother Aaron, and his sister Miriam, were all involved in the leadership of God's people Israel through the wilderness, and all three had been used by the Lord at one time or another in different capacity. But now we come to the question of who among them not is the oracle but has the oracle. And, of course, the oracle is is God speaking, isn't it? And if you distinguish here between this oracle that Moses had and just being one who can be used by the Lord or the Lord has used in a leadership way. It's quite interesting that this case is here in the book of Numbers. This matter of being used by God is quite common. God will use anyone that will make themselves available to him. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that they're the ones who speak for God. The oracle, I believe, means God speaking through a special instrument or a special vessel that he chooses. And that was the case with Moses. Of course, Aaron had been also pointed out by God to be the priest and to be uh, really involved in God's move along with Moses. Mm-hmm. Moses said he couldn't speak well, and God said, that's okay. Your brother can speak He'll be a prophet to you, and you'll be God to him. But this is not uncommon that when someone's in that kind of position or in that kind of authority, for people to begin to question, talk about him. Miriam and Aaron, this one no doubt was their conversation. He should respect me and realize that I was the one leading the singing. I was the (laughs) choir leader when they came across the Red Sea. That's right. So uh, there ought to be some realization that God has used me. But this is not a question about being used by God. This is a question, who is God's oracle on the earth? And you know, Chris, I believe that when you look back at history and look back at the Bible, you see God has always had someone whom he could speak through for the people of God and for God's move. This matter of authority has not only been true with Moses and others like him, but it's also been true in our age. When someone really has God speaking, to open up the word to us in a way that really is according to God's economy and his move. That one is subject to being rebelled against or questioned or put down because man likes to think that he's the one that should be doing what's being done properly. And it's interesting, Francis, all manner of things will be drugged out here to uh, be used against such a one. In this case, we saw Moses being uh, attacked ostensibly because of his selection of who he married. Yeah. Uh, so they got into a, a kind of a personal issue regarding Moses as, a, as an example of why he really isn't qualified to be God's or to possess God's oracle in that age. And that is uh, typical as well, isn't it? That's a very natural tendency, I think, that is in man's heart to uh, not come under somebody else's speaking, but think that we have the right to be equally authoritative. 
You referred to a verse. I actually uh, had uh, selected that. I, one I wanted to read as we get into this next section. You were talking about the relationship between Moses and Aaron in terms of the uh, roles that they were to play as God had determined in his sovereignty in leading the children of Israel. If you go back to Exodus chapter 6 and 7 there, the transition says, But Moses said before the Lord, Behold, I am unskilled in speech. How then will Pharaoh listen to me? Mm-hmm. As you said, not one gifted in terms of his natural ability to speak. So then the Lord said to Moses, See, I make you as God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. Mm. So the word came directly to Moses, and then Moses apparently repeated it to Aaron, left it to Aaron to be the mouthpiece to Pharaoh. An interesting relationship here, but the point is, as we read earlier, the face-to-face speaking was between God and Moses. Right. Okay, let's go back to Witness Lee. According to the Pentateuch, God spoke to Aaron only once. In the wilderness, God called Moses, referring him to his brother Aaron. Then God spoke to Aaron and told Aaron to go out to meet his brother Moses. Besides that one time, I couldn't call another time. But according to the Pentateuch, the five books of the law. How many times it says, Jehovah said to Moses. Jehovah spoke to Moses. Jehovah told Moses. Jehovah this and that to Moses. All the time, whatever Jehovah did, he firstly spoke to Moses. Actually, Aaron was not God's spokesman, neither Marian, but only one. That is Moses. Mary and Aaron spoke against Moses, the deputy authority of God. He was younger, but he was appointed by God to be his representative. God called Aaron. God raised up and ordained Mary but we cannot trace any hint that shows us God charged them to be his representative. God told Moses clearly with Aaron that God has chosen Moses to be his very authority on this earth. Yet Moses was little withdrawing. Saying this and that, he was not eloquent, he was not a good speaker, and so forth. Then God said, Okay, I would uh, give you your brother Aaron to help you. So, this doesn't mean God has ever charged or appointed Aaron to be his authority on this earth. Rather, God made it clear he would have Aaron help Moses. So, Actually, Miriam and Aaron should be also under this authority. Even they were older than Moses. Yet, they should submit themselves to Moses as far as God's administration goes. But they rebelled. They did this because of jealousy and taking Moses' mistake as an excuse. Okay, I think it's laid out 
very clearly for us now, Francis. He put his uh, finger right on the, the issue here. The older two were uh, to really submit to the younger one, and that's always painful, especially within a family, isn't it? So we have some jealousy here, and obviously uh, ambition is being expressed as well, and the net result is always, it seems, is a kind of rebellion. This is an age-old problem, and particularly in this case, we see God had clearly pointed Moses out to be the one to take the lead and to represent him, to be his deputy authority. Some people have a hard time recognizing that God does have a deputy authority, yes. but he does have, and to those, he speaks face-to-face, giving his word to them so they can make clear what the word is saying, what the Bible is saying, and they're able to discern what is God's economy, what is the pathway that he takes, and they know, not because they're smarter, but because God has given them that commission to be his deputy authority which you can call the oracle of God. If you don't recognize that and you think you should be, then you're apt to fall into a condition of jealousy and, of course, ambition goes along with that, like you said. We have another uh, segment here, and uh, this one is quite sober, quite serious, because it really brings us to the result of this. And, of course, it, uh, it did create or cause Jehovah to express even his anger as well as his judgment. If we look at verse 9 in chapter 12, It says, And the anger of Jehovah was kindled against them, and he departed. And when the cloud departed from over the tent, of course, we saw before the cloud was really God's presence, there Miriam was, leprous, as white as snow. And Aaron turned toward Miriam, and there she was, leprous. Very serious. Let's go back to Witness Lee, Francis. Moses, being very meek, more than all men who were on the earth, but God came in, God intervening, coming down in the pillar of cloud and standing at the entrance of the tent, speaking to Aaron and Miriam. I would check with you, dear saints, why God took this matter so seriously. To my opinion, it was not a big thing. Just the three relatives, this among themselves, a big brother, a big sister, and the younger brother, they were of the same parents, that's common, let them fight. And Moses didn't care for it. But Jehovah would not let it go. God would not let it go. God considered it serious. Why? Because this touches God's authority. It's not a small thing. When you touch, when you challenge, defy, God's authority. That means you shake his throne. Oh, this is serious. Oh, this is more more serious than the lusting for eating meat. This is to overthrow God's throne on this earth, even in this universe. So God was serious. God came in by coming down in the pit of a cloud and standing at the entrance of the tent speaking to Aaron and Miran, vindicating Moses. Then God rebuked Aaron and Miriam, his anger burning against them. God was angry against them, and God left them. Now, always learn to study the word by changing. Why two rebelled, only one got punished. And especially one was a female and the other was a male. To my opinion, the male should bear more responsibility. I would say because firstly, Miriam took the lead. She was the uh, initiator, the instigator. 
and I do believe C is Tirav Aaron, Marion. He instigated Aaron. Aaron, look at, look at. So Aaron nodded head. So Aaron was not the main instigator. She was. And uh, number two, especially because she was a female. You see, as a female, she should not do this. For a female to rebel, there would have been no allowance. That's too much. I believe it was of these two factors God punished Marion to warn, to alarm all the females among the children of Israel. So this was God doing governmental dealing. Francis, usually when we uh, produce these programs, we try to end on a somewhat of an encouraging note. So we're going to have to leave that to you today because the word we just heard from uh, from Witness Lee did not give us that encouraging uplift, but rather, I think, very properly sobered us all to realize that to touch God's government, to touch his authority in an improper way is a very serious matter, isn't it? It certainly is. And I think the encouraging part is for us to realize that God does have the authority and yes. he does have a throne. Right. And we should be aware and cautious how we treat God's authority. Anyway, the encouraging thing is that God is his own authority, and when this matter came up, he stepped in. God stepped in himself and made the thing very, very clear. And it's now in the book of Numbers. Now it has some history, Mm -hmm. and we've seen through history this has been repeated again and again. But this time there was a very, very serious judgment on God's part directly to handle this matter and to vindicate his servant which was uh, quite encouraging that the Lord does vindicate his servant and will make us clear about who's who when it comes to God's government and God's speaking. Yeah, that that is a point that uh, I took note of also. It wasn't Moses vindicating or justifying himself here, and in a sense that would have been a, a kind of an ugly thing, but God uh, directly intervened to vindicate not Moses' authority, but really his own authority. And uh, that was a, a meaningful point. We have just about a minute left, Francis, uh, because it's an important point and I, uh, in the climate, especially in which we live today, uh, regarding uh, things social and political. Say something about the fact that Miriam as a female was uh, singled out, we have to say, yeah. uh, as the object of God's judgment here. We have to realize God does have an order. The head of Christ is God. The head of man is Christ. And the head of the woman is the man. And a female should not rise up to... Uh, react against God's word or God's authority, but rather we should submit and realize that we're under a certain amount of uh, delegated authority among men. Francis, I think we'll close this way um, just to reiterate. This is a life study, and the focal point virtually every time we come together and uh, open up one of these uh, portions that were given to us by Witness Lee is to see the matter of life in God's Word. And maybe um, all ones might be struggling to try to find it today, but often these kinds of uh, speakings, the kind of word we got today, is to help preserve the climate of life within uh, the church and within God's and among God's people. And uh, life does need to be vigilantly preserved, doesn't it? That's right. Thank you, Francis, for your fellowship. I feel like uh, you were the right one to have here for this word today, and I appreciate uh, your fellowship and laboring with you as always. Well, I was encouraged by Moses. You know, he's the meekest man on the earth, 
at that time, and uh, that means he didn't fight back. That's right. And as you mentioned a while ago, he didn't fight back. That would have been an ugly situation. But he was meek, which means not weak, but not fighting back. We're out of time. We'll invite you to contact us to uh, get the printed material that we have to supplement our program today. It's it's just a very, very critical word, and uh, this message is full of much light. Our toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Francis Ball today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you'd like to read the works of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, just visit our website, ministrybooks.org. From there, you'll find over 600 complete titles available to read online free of charge. Witness Lee's ministry stood squarely on the shoulders of his mentor and co-worker, Watchman Nee as well as those of countless ministers of the New Testament throughout the ages. The riches contained in his life study of the Bible represent the top, the cream of his 70-plus years of ministry and range in topic from lessons for new believers to commentary and exposition on passages from every book of the Bible. But they all contain practical and deeper truths about the Christian life. Again, this wonderful online resource is available to you free of charge at ministrybooks.org. If you have questions or comments about this ministry or the program you heard today, email us, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening today.